Welcome to the In Defense of Ska podcast. There's a lot of like, okay, well, you like Ska named three bands that aren't the boss tones. I'm your host, Aaron Carnes, music journalist and author of the book In Defense of Ska. And I'm your co-host, Adam Davis, veteran Ska musician from the bands Omnigon and Link 8. On our show, we aim to push back on the mainstream's negative perception of Ska music. There are so many great untold stories throughout the history of Ska. The show features interviews with everyone from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones to Fishbone, Fall Out Boy singer Patrick Stump, and the police drummer Stuart Copeland. Join us on In Defense of Ska from the Consequence Podcast Network. Upon its release, the Bonnaroo 2020 lineup was one of the greatest we had ever seen. Then COVID happens and we wonder who will remain, who will be added. One band that joined the fun, Deftones. Our guest today, Sergio, from one of the most iconic punk bands of all time, Deftones. With Barry Corder, Lord Taco, myself, Brad Steiner. This is the What Podcast. It starts right now. talked about almost every genre when it comes to especially Bonnaroo over the last three years. One genre in particular never really dipped a toe in the pool of metal. Barry Corder, Lord Taco, for the first time we talked to a real legit rock star. Yeah, I think I told you the other day uh, when I was doing some research, I was like, ooh, these guys are not what I thought. This is going to be fun. I can't believe that. That's really funny because, you know, I I consider Deftones to be so in the nomenclature of what we do that I don't, like, research sounds strange. It would be like, okay, hang on, I have to look up Oliver Tree. Um, Who is this guy? It's funny that you had to do actual, like, work. To, to dig through what the Deftones are. I am not too proud to tell you that uh, there are a lot of bands that I think I know what they are, you know, just by name, and I think I know, and this was one of them. And uh, no, this is uh, not at all what I thought. Interesting. It's funny because, um, look, I, I love Deftones, and I think that one of the things that me and, and Russ have in common is our love of the Deftones. Uh, Russ is a big fan as well. This is a, a big day for you, sir. Yes, sir, it is. I have a story about this, and, and this is going to – I know what this is going to do. You guys are going to use this to just beat me up for the rest of time. Where's I, my pencil? Where's yeah. my pen? And- <laughs> By the way, Barry Corder, uh, Lord Taco, I'm Brad Steiner. This is the what? Uh, which bands this year that matter? One of the bands being Deftones. We'll talk to. Uh, look, I I know that you know Deftones have come through so many different iterations and a couple of different versions of the band, and I think that's why I like the idea of talking to the newest member of the Deftones. Uh, we'll talk to him here in a second, but I have a Deftones story to tell you, and I'm not proud of it. Sixteen, and it all revolves around sixteen-year-old Brad guy. Now, you guys know who some of my artists were that I was obsessed with at 16 years old, right? Just go ahead and name them. You guys know me that well. Yeah, the one the one I, that came right to my head is, surprises me, to be honest, which is Hootie. Hootie and the Blowfish, yeah. I yeah. was a big I Hootie mean, Blowfish. you traveled the world, right? I did. I did. I followed them around the country. I had a very odd uh, 
musical taste when I was 16. It was Hootie and the Blowfish, Neutral Milk Hotel, Death Cab for Cutie, and mm, Deftones. And I'll tell you why I like the Deftones so much. Because when I was 16, I would hang out with my buddy, and his older brother, who was going off to college, was a huge Deftones fan. And I wanted to be part of the Cool Kid Club and be into what the college guys were into. Well, it also helped that when you're 16, especially back in the days of going to Sam Goody and you were looking at CDs and you really picked your favorite CDs based on the CD cover, you're really just picking out things that really – and I always seem to as a 16-year-old – and you guys correct me if I'm wrong um, – when you're 16, you really only pick the albums who have hot chicks on the front of the, the albums. So you just pick the <laughs> CDs where they decided to put a half-naked woman on the cover. So – what happens? Deftones put out an album with a girl in a bikini on the cover. So enter my obsession with Around the Fur. Uh, so 1997, I get Around the Fur, and I and I buy it again, not knowing really what it was, Barry, because all I knew about it was college kids like it and hot chick on the cover. Uh, I put it on, and Needless to say, knowing the kind of musical thing, the bands that I was listening to, Deptones didn't really fit. <laughs> didn't really fit. And I didn't really know what I was listening to. And it took years and years for me to finally figure it out. But somewhere along the lines, they came to D.C. And as a kid that was living outside of Richmond, Virginia, we were going to D.C. all the time. One of the times that we were going to go to D.C. was going to see the Deftones. Now, this was um, 1997 or 1998. We're getting in the car to go to D.C. to see Deftones. And my buddy's brother looks at me and goes, so, Brad, are you ready to mosh? And I said, what's a mosh? What is? What are you talking about? Now, you guys know me. How, how big in stature do you think 16, 17-year-old Brad guy was? What he meant to say was, are you ready to get mushed? Yeah. <laughs> I was tiny when I was 16. And so the idea of 16-year-old kid getting in a mosh pit with a whole bunch of 19, 20, 25-year-old dudes, how well do you think that was going to go? There are so I, many things about this story. Uh, I, I, mean, I can think of five. panic-induced. I was panicked. I, <laughs> he explained to me what a mosh pit was, and, he, and I thought to myself, this is what I am going to? I yeah. freaked out. I totally freaked out. I became scared shitless. So I promptly got out of the car and went home. I uh, <laughs> never <laughs> then went to a Deftone show until Bonnaroo this year, where we will see them um, probably on a, a late night, this tent, that tent sort of thing. Don't you think? All right. There you go. All right. So where to start? Okay. First of all, Around the Fur is just such a classic teenage boy album title i mean can it get any more juvenile yeah well i mean the next album is, is named white pony what do you think uh, that has to do yeah. with <laughs> which is great number two we should do a whole show or maybe two on on how our older siblings influenced our musical tastes yeah that'd be that's a great topic number three we had a guy i used to do a lot of r r record reviews for the paper uh, back when those were a thing. And uh, one of our reviewers, you, he had a, a theorem, I guess, a theory that the nakeder the girl, 
on the cover, the worser the album. Oh, it might be true. I mean, <laughs> like I'm trying to think of like the other albums that I absolutely bought because of there was some sort of nudity on it, and I can't think of one that I really, really liked except for maybe Around the Fur. And but the other thing too was was you know we were in the that time of 1997 where we're just now seeing midriffs. You know, you had no doubt pop. I mean, Gwen Stefani changed yeah. everything with the midriff. Well, I mean, and then the, the classic and you're going to you're going to laugh, but you both, you all know it. We all know it. Herb Albert. Um, he showed his midriff. No, you know, the <laughs> album cover. We, uh, I know it. Very, we all know out that one. It's it's classic. It's one of the top five album covers of all time. But she didn't show anything. It was just sexy. Um, but yeah, isn't that funny? You know, what's bizarre about this is that we bought things based on hot chicks on the cover of albums, but yet a decade or two decades before we were buying albums where it was legit crotch shots. You know, we bought an entire Bruce Springsteen album because it showed his ass. Yeah. And then we showed sticky fingers at a zipper. Yeah. Rolling Stones literally bulge on the front of the album. Get out of zipper. That's what? Funny. I don't. I don't. What's the What's the innuendo there? What's gonna happen if I unzip that zipper? <laughs> can you Can you tell me a show? Like, what's the hardest show that you think that you've been to? Ooh, uh, I saw Marilyn Manson here a couple of three years ago. Eh. Metallica. Saw ACDC up in Knoxville with uh oh, i don't remember who opened i think the bullet boys was one of them and they were terrible that's my least favorite band of all time <laughs> i've never said that but. man we could do it we could do an episode of just bands that we hate top of my list is mgmt i absolutely loathe this band yeah, and it's not because i don't like their music i like their music i just i despise how lazy they are on spit on stage but anyway i've uh, told you i've told you i gotta tell this though because i mentioned reviews because i think it's funny i i can't remember who i reviewed maybe it was garth brooks I did a when he was just coming out and I thought I did a great review. I said, this guy may be the savior of country music, but he's not a classic singer. Doesn't have a great voice. I got a hate letter. Oh, I got all kinds of hate letters. But this girl in particular said, you should quit right now. You're terrible. And then she signed it, which I totally respected. Well, about two weeks later, the Bullet Boys came and I hated them, hated them. And she agreed with me. And she's like, so she wrote back, which I, again, respected, signed it. But her last line was, keep up the okay work. (laughs) (laughs) I still have it. (laughs) uh, Honestly, and to her credit, you really never did stop the okay work. (laughs) No, I've never got past okay. Man. That could be on my headstone when I'm done. When I'm dead and in the ground, please just say, he was okay enough. Yeah, there's Barry Quarter, okay work. Uh, Billy Joel, great work. (laughs) (laughs) When you do rank, it's a very easy ranking system, let's be honest, but it cuts straight to the core, Taco. I mean, it's it's great, okay, Okay. bad. Yeah. Bad work. I think that every if everything was that easy, we would be a lot uh, be a lot better off. If you Barry um, did your quote unquote research about Deftones, what was the thing that stood out the most for you? I like it. I like it a lot. It's not uh, the it's not that throaty uh, metal, which I don't. I mean, it's cool, but it all sounds the same. Uh, It's more of a prog rock metal, and I mean that's my initial. I mean, Russ can certainly correct me. No, but I think you're right. It's yeah, it's a little more uh, melodic. It's a little more thought out. Um, I like yeah, it. I like I like, I like the word used. I like melodic. I also uh, use artistic a lot. 
I get into a lot of arguments about the industry now about how, you know, what we're jumping on as a format, as as radio in general, just never feels artistic enough for me. It just feels like a money grab. And, you know, Deftones have a specific thing that they're trying to say. And I, I miss that a lot with what's happening in music right now. We had a decade in the 90s that was, you know, primarily defined on you know, gobbledygook like Limp Biscuit and and corn, which were never really saying something. They were never really saying things like Rage Against the Machine were saying. I'm not trying to make a point. Yeah. That's why I like Deftones. I think they're they're literally trying to have a conversation wrapped in the type of sound that works for them. Um, yeah, a there's lot an of times, intention there. Yes, right. That is such a great point. It's very intentional. There's the there. They're true artists. Yeah. Yeah. And talking to Sergio today, I'm most excited to learn about seeing, because he wasn't with them from the outset, what was his view going on tour with them as an opening band? What did he see before actually becoming part of the Deftones? And what were some of the things that he was right about? What was he wrong about when it came to assessing their place in the pantheon of all of this? Because I know this is this is up for argument, but I just don't know another band in their sort of genre that have been more influential, that have stood the test of time, that influenced so many people across so many different genres. To be a part of that, and first off, watch it from afar, and then be a part of it too, right. um, I think – is an interesting perspective from Sergio, who, by the way, plays bass for uh, Deftones. We didn't say that part at the beginning, but I don't know. I don't think that they get enough credit, I think, at the end of the day. I agree. I totally agree because, like I said, they're fairly new to me, and that's uh, that's on me, not them. I was, you know, I'm older than you, so I wasn't 14 about to get did, my ass whipped. What did you think it was? You know, you have this. You have these bands that sort of live out in the hem, the atmosphere of your life that you don't really ever engage in. What did you think that they were? I'll be honest. I mean, it's it's all on me. I I thought it was more of a New Orleans type of uh, what you, I mean, Cajun band just because of the name. <laughs> Cajun band? Not Cajun. What is um? I'm, who am <laughs> you I think that they're of? doing Zydeco? Uh, you think they're doing Zydeco? They're playing the spoons and uh, wooden sticks that they find in the yard? I, maybe. I honest. I honestly didn't know, to be honest. Ma, pa, I whipped up this no, uh, guitar from a broom, and uh, let's get on the porch and play some Zydeco music. We're the Deftones. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I, I would see that. Know. I would go to see that. That is really, of all the things that you were going to describe well, what the What do you think I was going to say? You know, I, I guess I guess I thought that you were going to say it was going to be some sort of, like, electronic thing. like Deftones? No, 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 no. I mean, it, I, I totally based on the name. I knew nothing. That is really, I'm just telling you really the truth. interesting. I'm just did you, you the truth. Did you, okay, so did you think that they had a career that spanned all the way to the early 90s when you heard the name, or did you just think that they might be some sort of, you know, newfangled Cajun Zydeco act? <laughs> I knew they'd been around, but I didn't know anything. I knew nothing. Okay. Right. I'm just being honest. That's fine. I, I don't mind the honesty. I just I'm of all the things that you could have described them as in your mind, that is one of the most surprising ones. That one yeah. that one catches me off guard. I wonder if there's a band like that for me. When I hear the name, I think that I know them, but I don't yeah. think that I know them. Oh, now I kinda want you. like a Zydeco remix of Diftones. <laughs> <laughs> 
Taco, See? I know the people that can make that happen here. Yeah, I know. we're on to something. Yeah, I think I live three blocks from the bayou. I think there's someone living in the bayou right now that can do yeah, that for you. Bo- we can get Beaujolais. Get Beaujolais to do the Deftones. I, I love versa. this. That's the band I was trying to think of. Is it like Beaujolais. That's what I thought they were sort of. I, I'll try to think of what mine will be. I'll see if I can harness who I have completely mistaken for years. I really want to try and dig deep on this one. This is uh, really exciting for me, the Deftones. Sergio from the Deftones, next on the What Podcast to Barry Corder. Lord Taco, I'm Brad Steiner. Thanks for joining us. Hello. There he is. There hey. he is. I uh, hate to take this conversation in the wrong direction, but I'm immediately jealous of your hair. <laughs> I have That's why major I'm late. hair envy, to be honest with That's you right I'm now. That's why you know, you want video. I had to like spruce up. I can't, you know, I can't just, I just woke up. Well, you, As you should, by the way, rock stars should not be called be called in double digits. This is not right. happening. I do get up early at times, but. And if you? you're going to, if you're going to come strong with an excuse, the hair is a good one. It's the hair, man. And Much the lights. Respect. I have lights. I actually, I, I accidentally, I, I'm on portrait mode, but I'm sitting in front of my, uh, my recording setup. Are you, are you in L.A. right now? I live in New York. Okay. I'm a New York native. All right. So what does your normal day consist of? What is your uh, – post in a post-quarantine world, obviously. In a post-quarantine world? Yeah. I think it's uh, fairly similar to a quarantine world. I wake up. I make um, some coffee. Uh-huh. I work out. And um, either kind of like catch up on emails – hang out with my wife, mm-hmm. um, make music, and uh, cook. Okay. It's very simple. And yeah, okay. so usually the first two things are going to be coffee and exercise. Yeah. The, let me, the music thing, is it something you've been able to do from home? And were you yes. always able? So that really hasn't, nothing's changed. Yeah, years before, years before um, the pandemic, I've had a uh, home recording setup of some sort. So I mean, because of now I've I've kind of updated it or improved it, but I've always it's been kind of a part of my routine for a long time. Now, are you writing stuff at the house just for yourself? Are you writing for other people? Are you just you normally just playing around? And if you have something that you really start to like, what do you do with it? Uh, it's all of the above. Uh-huh. If um, let's say like being in um, Deftones and being in Quicksand, I don't have something and then uh, present it to one or the other after the fact, it's usually with the intent to go to, to that outlet. Interesting. Okay. I don't, I think that it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know how other people work and it's not like a judgment thing, but for me, it's part of my like ethos to say like, this is intended for Deftones. Like before you start, before I start. Wow. It, that is a great point because it, it may, I was going to lead down this path at some point with this conversation because um, I wonder how much when – okay, so Dave Grohl said something really interesting one time, and he said that uh, I wrote this song, but it just wasn't Foo Fighters enough. I had yeah, to put I hear that all, on. I hear that all the time. I wrote this. I intended to write a bluegrass or a rock song, and it kept what, going country or right. whatever. What so. mindset do you think changes that it has to be a Deftone song? Um, what's the, what's the is it a tonality? Is it a certain writing style? In certain ways, it's like um, in the process of writing an album. Like early on, things are very 
ambiguous. We don't really, you know, you don't set up, you don't start off with a conscious plan, but um, so you just kind of just start riffing ideas and just putting out ideas. And, um, but what I'll do is I just say, this is for Deftones. And if I'm programming drums or something that I think, oh, like what would something like that would resonate with Abe? And then like when I'm laying down, because like if I present an idea, I don't just present a baseline because I've learned over the years they don't, people need to hear the guitar. They need to hear the vision right. or right. else if they hear a baseline, you, you give too much room for other people's thing and, and it doesn't, it's not as likely to live. So I'm protecting my, my position, I present a song. And huh. um, what happens with that is like, you can pick that apart or not. So I send the whole demo. But it's like, oh, this is something that I think Abe, you know, this is in Abe's wheelhouse. Or this is something that's fun. Or I can listen to, to like Deftones material and just get into like a groove of like how he plays. And do you I, feel, uh -huh. when, you, when you say that, get into a groove, do you find yourself when you are in making a Deftones, making a line for a bit, do you keep with the Deftones thing? You just go to the next one and the next one and the next one? Or when you're done, you just sort of got to shake it off and start all over again? It'll, I think, um, it just kind of it'll be like that afternoon or that session that day so i'm just kind of like all right cool this is all fun and stuff and then if i get like stuck on something i can kind of i'll switch gears and do things just for myself and just to say like all right this is uh this is just like free play i guess and i'll just do whatever and sometimes those things can, you know like give me the opportunity to test new things new sounds new whatever that can go back to that then those things can go back to either deftones or quicksand like i keep my tone and my style pretty much the same for both knowing that the when the other people get involved they take it to completely different places how much does it change does it change it does what, the way you i see yeah particularly much i think like um deftones it's kind of it's like if I if I if I were to present here's the same baseline you know to both bands they would take it such different places that it wouldn't even I I kind of huh. used to try to say oh well here's a Deftone style thing or a quicksand style thing but I just do things that I think are cool now for the band and with the intent of presenting it only to that band and if they don't like it it doesn't go to the other band it just how how long did it, how long did this sort of like take wow. you to figure out. What was the ma I, was there like a magic like potion that you finally sort of said voila there it is I think for me like in being in a couple of bands um it just kind of it's just the way my mind worked I don't know I didn't think it was like it wasn't a process it was just the idea that I want to give both like 100% and I don't want to give like some I don't want to give like something that was rejected to someone else like if I was like a producer or a standalone songwriter mm. you shop a song like your baby and you give it to as many people as it takes to to land but when i'm in two bands that have a history and that have a, a thing it's just oh i'm deftones sergio today i'm just jamming in that vein the tunings are different so that kind of changes things a lot i i would i wouldn't be able to say oh here's something in drop c for quicksand that that just doesn't happen I, so that helps I, a lot I, I mean, I'm fascinated by this. I have to say, I've done. You yeah, know, we jumped right all into the, the nuts did. and bolts of this, didn't we? <laughs> we jumped by right the way, in. just just before just before we get too crazy, Sergio, it's an honor to meet you, first yeah. and foremost. Oh, like so I'm really really excited about this. I'm Brad. That's Barry. Brad, um, Barry. Uh, yeah, Hi. and that's Lord Taco up at the top. 
Um, Dang. So, Lord Taco? Yes, Lord Taco. <laughs> yes, we, that's his He's room. an actual lord. He is a lord. I bought him a five-foot-by-five-foot five plot of land in England that he is officially the lord of, just you know, in case he wants to renounce his citizenship to America and live in that five-foot-by-five-foot <laughs> yeah, land. We're going there, aren't <laughs> <they? Yeah. laughs> Lord Taco, those are two things. To be a lord is great, and to be a taco might even be better. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the I guess uh, let's. I know we we jumped right into that, and it's because you know you're. I mean you're you're amazing. That's that's yeah, so it's easy to just jump into a conversation like that. But I wanted to like just reset the table real quick because um, the Deftones are such an influential part of at least my life when I was a kid, and um, talking to somebody that is part of this history is really really a big deal. And and not only is it a big deal for me, but for this this show that we do is a big deal for us. We've never dipped our toe into the quote unquote metal pool. We've just never Uh. done it. It's never been something that has been comfortable, I think, for us to talk about, almost like when Barry wants me to talk about EDM music. I just can't do it. I can't talk Uh. about EDM stuff. It's very difficult. But for you guys and and specifically for you on we're recording this two days after the eighth and I hate using this word anniversary of the original bass, bass player's death, yes. but you came into the Deftones from another band that had spent so much time with the Deftones on the road. I've always wondered what you felt about Deftones before being in the band and then now being a part of it and part of this sort of like, zeitgeist of, of of a moment years ago so I guess it's like um i've never had an objective opinion because i've never um heard the band without knowing them if that makes sense say for the first time we met on the first warp tour and uh some friends of mine were like oh you should check out this band deftones they're playing on the stage you know and i was like well are they a hardcore band like what's the deal like just coming from that world is very um provincial you know for lack of a better term and i was like well they're not hardcore but they like bad brains and they and they have these influences and, and i was like oh bad brains is great and i went and i saw them and um at that time was early, not i don't know how early it was in their career but i guess you know they hadn't really reached a, you know put out a record to my knowledge and you could it was like a kind of root era you know like the adrenaline kind of that 95 and mm-hmm. i saw their set and then I just went over to their to their vehicle. They were in Winnebago, and I just introduced myself and hung out with them. And we talked and stuff, and um, that was really it. So we were always kind of like homies, and I never uh, – so I don't have, like, an objective thing. I was like, I like these guys. I like their energy. And I come from a musical background where that's what's valued. You know, so it's like you make friends with the people. You make friends with the – you know, your friends – the people in your audience are your friends. The people that you're playing with are your friends. It's, a, it's more like that kind of thing, and you're just supportive and like what people are doing. You know, so I've always, I've always appreciated their music. I've always thought it was cool, like how they've grown and they've taken chances, and I've appreciated how um, they, they also kind of, in a sense, were free from the parameters of being in like a rigid type of music. You know, so like they kind of, they, they took a left turn very early and open themselves up to a lot of pathways. And so that's always been cool, but they've always just been my homies and friends. So I'm like, just, I was like, these guys are cool. And, and I like that. What was it like joining the transition? Then you said it was, I mean, 
you know, you're watching a band that you know and like. Um, how how did that go? It was it was easy. I mean, we we're friends. I had filled in for Chi in 1999 on a tour. He injured his foot, and um, you know, so there was always been that thing. It it just it doesn't. Sometimes when I read people's perspective of it, you know, like if people who don't know me or my history now, they do more. But it was always be like, oh, I was plucked out of something, and I was like maybe plucked out of a crowd or for a band that I'm like a super fan of, and. I've just known them. So it's like, it's just, I don't have an objective thing. Yeah. You know, it'd be different if like, let's say Radiohead picked me up and they're like, I never yeah. met them. You know, yeah. I never met them. I didn't, yeah. I never saw them. I don't know them. I've never filled in. I just, these are, it's like a cold drop into something. And that would be like, what the heck? You know, cause you don't right. know them as people. It's abstract. Well, it almost, it almost frees you up too. It almost frees you up to just the comfort level is just automatically there. And it's probably why they wanted you to be a, part of of the future uh it was just too easy of a fit i mean my understanding is you know because they like quicksand the style fit um i had filled in already that worked out well we were friends and from my perspective it was they were always like i came into something as a friend you know i was like these are my friends in need and Mm -hmm. how can i help and um just kind of put my best foot forward and never looked at it from any other perspective so going back to our original thing that we were talking about, especially with the technical and the the inside the weeds sort of writing process thing, when you bring something to the table um, musically, are you still not bringing anything in general? Not not bringing anything, but in general, is everything pretty much written by Chino? Is he bringing the lyrical things to the table, or is are are there other voices at this point now? 25. As far as what? As far as what aspect? There's some Sorry, lyri- lyrically. lyrically. Oh, lyrically, yeah, that's like, that is going to be like predominantly him on the lyrics, you know, overwhelmingly, yeah. like maybe a word or a line here from something, really? you know, like it's just someone saying something or something. But it, and then as far as melodic structure, that's that there's more like singing in the band and singing in that like there's a lot of opportunity for in the development of mo- melodies to be like, hey, here's uh, some melodic shapes so we can like riff over stuff together. And um, the reason I asked that, I asked that specifically f- because the way that Chino has written for so long has been so about whatever is happening in the world or he's got a perspective on a certain topic that he wanted to absolutely make sure that the world knew. I wonder with so much happening around us, do you guys as a band just trust him that he's going to get there? Or do you say, hey, we, we should really do... George Floyd was a big deal. We should probably... No, we don't touch... Everyone's politics are touched in their personal lives and their personal accounts and things. And this is more like um impressionist art Mm. these aren't like there's never really like rarely coming into a a song with a topic it's uh often building up off of sounds and shapes that make sense and then finding words and things and then after you can look back at it and analyze it and Mm. you know for when people hear the stuff they often have like they have your association so you're going to say this is clearly about that or this is clearly about this and maybe even after the fact you know, like you could say, oh, this song seems like it's about this. But at the time, it's um, it's more often than not just like finding things that come together and shapes and it takes structure and you can look back at it and see where it is. But 
we're not the type of band musically or lyrically to say this is going to be about this and we're going to make a kind of record like this. It doesn't work. You're just constraining. It's unnecessarily constraining. It's so true. But man, you look back at some of these some of these songs and you feel like it was, I mean, crafted specifically for insert topic here. It's almost almost hard to believe that it, it grew almost organically and naturally without trying to get into that space. That is kind of surprising. I mean, that's human nature. Like, how did we find shapes and stars? Because we we strive to make shape, we strive to make sense of things. That's our advantage. We're not the strongest creatures on earth. We don't live very long. We we have our advantage is trying to predict things, and by nature we try to make sense of things, and and often by like the confidence of ignorance, we just are sure that we know what's being spoken about, and and I see that all the time. And the, the, the sure, the conviction, the, the often the further away from reality it is. I've been thinking about this for months uh, and I'm, I, I don't think anybody knows yet. I'm curious to see how we come out of this last year with songwriting. I mean, are we going to is it going to be, you know, gloom and doom? Is it going to be ready to move on? Is it going to be happy? Is it going to be? you know, a, a bazillion songs about being holed up in my basement <laughs> for 12 months. You As know a radio I mean? guy, I'll tell you the answer. Whatever tests well. Uh, I think, uh, I, oh, well, for maybe, like yeah. That, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that, I think that that's up to the artist. Like, I know people have already made quote-unquote COVID records, and it's been interesting to see, like, what that given artist, what that take is, you know, and, like, without naming names of artists mainly because I don't necessarily remember, but I remember reading an art. There was like a pop singer. One of the Jonas brothers made a record and it was like his Conus, his uh, COVID record. Sorry. Yeah. And it, yeah. there were love songs because he was like from this seat, you know, of being in this situation, I, these are the things that made sense to me and blah, blah, blah. And now here's my record that's influenced by COVID and their love songs to my wife. And maybe that's like, uh, backtrack talking you know because you had a, a body of songs we never know we never know right. you know people are going to put things out there yeah. and yeah and I mean, it, it, did, like, it did i know exactly what you're talking about it did come across a tad like pr spin you, you know how can know. i how can i make this of the moment when it's a song you know it's a it's a, it's a horror movie soundtrack uh, oh yeah, yeah it's about COVID. Know. sure we don't yeah. know but like yeah the truth is is that it's impacted everybody in some way and whether or not they wear it on their on their chest or they have it tucked away, you know, it's, it's undeniable that, you know, well, it impacts. That's a great point, because I think that's what's different is it has impacted everybody. I mean, yeah. worldwide, it's not just a regional thing, you know, where, no. we can, you know, it happened to you, but I can still feel it. No, it happened to me, too. So it, that in that way, it's different. The other part of it, I wonder, and and I don't know if you guys have even thought about it. When Bonnaroo announced, which you guys are on the lineup, when they announced the lineup, I mean, it's nearly sold out. And so there's this feeling of we're all ready to get out and and have this explosion as a band. How excited are you guys to get back out and play live again? And what does that mean? I mean, are you talking about it? Is it a big deal? Is it you're just ready to get out or? I think it's like it's kind of like all of the above in the sense that, like, let's say speaking for myself. You know, like it's always been about doing the things to ensure a positive result to make sure that that's all that happens. You know, there's so we we live in a time where things are everything is so fragile and things are in flux. And 
a lot of things are in our control. And like living in New York City, I get uh, concerned sometimes because, you know, like when things open, people, there's a lot of fatigue and rightly so. And I see people doing things that are kind of like congregating too close on top of each other and things. That, and I get worried that it's like, we want to get back. You know, we want things to happen and whatever, you know, like whatever is the best course, you know, to doing that and whatever the threshold for acceptable levels of safety is, I think that it's like, to me, it never hurts to lean towards being more, to being, you know, better safe than sorry. Do the things that it's, you know, like, you can take the chance to say, oh, if I'm just this safe, it's going to be okay. But it, it's, it seems to me clearer that if you're, if you're, if you tend towards the conservative, you know, like you're ensure with less risk, a better result. So for me, I'm just like, I want to do everything possible to get back to, to being around people and, and making music because it's, it's our life's blood. It's like what we do. It's how we express every emotion we have. And it's fun. And, and, we don't get to do that, you know. But, so. to, but to that point, are you? I mean, you guys uh, with the new album and then a tour that was put on hiatus, uh, now going back out. How worried are you? How I'm nervous worried. are you? I'm right. worried, and yeah. and um, I'm worried. But my things are like, do what you can't do with what is in your control to do, mm-hmm. and do the things that it takes to make sure that things have a positive outcome. Yeah. You know, so like that's kind of the perspective I have. It's like. Yeah. I am concerned because you can't really control everything and not everyone is on the same page, but what I can control is my environment. Mm-hmm. So in the interim, you know, I, I work out, I keep myself healthy, I practice, I um, avoid situations that, that could get me sick. And you got, the, you got those shots? Did you get, did you get I, that I'm back? halfway there. I'm Are you halfway there? there? Yeah, and I, that was a big, for my wife and I, that was a big thing, you know, like we're cut off from our families were cut off from our friends cut off from our bandmates Mm. and you know i've seen these guys once in over a year wow yeah and um we talk and it's you know it's this is it's it's our it's our thing you know it's like way more than just our career it's our it's our 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 life so it kind of it sucks but but again to you know stay positive everyone's excited to play in short everyone is super hyped for for the ability to get back to work and right. play. And, and in the interim, I've noticed that like people do the things at home to, to like stay creative and to keep your, to keep your chops up. What does the schedule look like? I mean, is it Bonnaroo and then one or two other things or is it actually no, it no, every week? It keeps, it keeps it's a, everything's always in flux. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, everything's in flux. And then like, we're never sure till it's announced, and even after it's announced, things can still be in flux. So. I can't thank you enough for joining us on this. I to wrap up, I did a little um, Google search of Deftones just because I don't know, I haven't done it in 15 uh-huh. years. So I uh, this is some of my favorite Google also search for terms when I entered Deftones. Okay, oh, so see. you know how you hit the 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 Google, and then all of a sudden also search for there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you can also search for, and you just answer these questions for me if you can. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> see if Google got it right. Is Deftones still a band? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Are Deftones good live? Mostly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is I Deft- think we're the 90th percentile. Oh. <laughs> Is Deftones an emo? Uh, is Deftones that. an emo? No, definitely uh, not an, an emo 
or even <laughs> just emo without the end. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, my favorite is Deftones a shoegaze. Is Deftones a shoegaze? I feel Ooh, like no, clear, Ooh, no, 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 definitely no. not shoegaze. But with, yeah. with influences from that, far more than emo. I will say one of my favorite Chino quotes years and years and years ago, um, and I'll I'll butcher this, but he said something to the effect of somebody asked him if he was an emo singer, and dude goes. Um, I'm as good as two emo singers. I am as good as two emo singers. <laughs> Put them both funny. together. That's who I am. Yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really, really excited about this show. Um, what is post COVID? What does the Deftones show look like? What's it look that like? Remains to be days? seen. We still have to see each other. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, mean, especially I, think, with the new- I guess it would be like, um, I think if if the band as a whole brings a lot of energy and excitement to play, uh normally then mm-hmm. with a year plus not being able to do that then i think you just kind of uh, I, magnify that a little i mean i asked mainly because you know the the tour was supposed to coincide with a, a new album and the 20th anniversary of white pony so i wondered if there was an opportunity there playing white pony from start to finish you know for myself to me. i always skew towards the newest you know Damn. i think even as a band there, there starts to be a little fatigue uh for being stuck on in yeah. a moment because it kind of is just like I don't ever want to be like your best days are behind you. Well, see, I, that, 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 I guess my, in my mind, I'm because of as fans, we've been talking about this so much for 16, 18 months, what it's going to be like. I guess I'm uh, under the assumption that you guys as bandmates have been talking every week saying, I can't wait to get out. Here's what we're going to do, you know, but that's not the case right i mean the case is i think the same as your life it's like how's your family doing who's still healthy who's good checking on your friends who's sick how are they doing okay cool how are we gonna like make ends meet you know how does this happen how does this really looking forward to a time that we can play but i think that we're there's a lot more to life than that so it's a very important facet of our lives but unfortunately, you know, these circumstances put a lot of things on your plate. That's the that's been the theme for me from everything that I do, all the interviews that I've done for the paper, is that if if there is a theme for the last year, it's that we've all figured out what's really important. Yeah, I mean, right? like checking it. I haven't seen, like I said, I haven't seen any really. Any, my wife and I are are our our germ pool, so it's the two of us, like day by day, and. <laughs> With the rare, well, rare can't wait for you to be at Bonnaroo. Then. I, <laughs> huh? I can't wait for you to see the germs at Bonnaroo. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to. I mean, when we do like outside dining and stuff, when I just walk by a crowd, I'm just kind of like, whoa. And I mean, yeah. that's my life, right? My life is being in a crowd and being, you know, in front of them. But you know, it's just me and my wife just rocking in our God. room. I'm, I'm waiting for the festival one day, just a festival to name a uh, stage dysentery. Uh, <laughs> that is where it needs, man, you've just been so great. Thank and I, I could, I mean, legitimately, I could keep you here all day because I, I just love you guys so much. Oh, your much setup, your setup back there. You, what do you got plugged in? Are you, are you plugged in now? Are you about to work on something? What are you, uh, what no, are you going to so, hammer out today? I uh, usually, usually, uh, work late night. Mm. But I have what my, my home setup that. is, is um, a Mac M1 Mini okay. and um, Apogee Duet interface, uh, Fractal Audio. Um, I forget which model is here, but I use Fractal Audio for um, amp modeling, bass and guitar. IK Multimedia keyboards, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I use Ableton Live. Okay. And um, my Fender guitars are are mm-hmm. out of the frame, but I have a bunch of Fender guitars here. How, how, many, how many? How many you got in the same room? How many are you working on at one time? Currently, there's a bass and two guitars here. Okay. So, That's a lot yeah. lighter than I thought it would be. Okay. No, I have a closet full of all my, you know, full of everything. So we <laughs> have right. like. Strangely, just because of the way things shut down, I only have one bass here, but I have four electric guitars here and three or four acoustic guitars here. The new album out now, we'll see you at Bonnaroo. And um, yeah, when you uh, show up at Bonnaroo, make sure to bring whatever hair care product you have so I can share. Okay, you know what it is? Water. And sometimes just water and sometimes a little bit of conditioner. Can't do conditioner. It just gets too big, I think. I can't control the conditioner. Just a little bit. You just take a little dot. Okay. Kind of just run your fingers through it. Okay. But if you have so. curly hair, you can't touch it after you after you do it. Then it goes okay. like. Sergio, <laughs> thank you so much. You're the thank best. You. Thank you. You're so a good wonderful. way to start the day. Good morning, get, by the way. Yeah. Don't get this kind of information anywhere else. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> right. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. It's a thank pleasant you very conversation. Much. The most amazing part of talking to Sergio from Deftones is, and I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but it is worth repeating that not only he's amazing. I mean, he has he has every reason to be celebrated. It's just tough. Two days after the anniversary of the death of the original bass player, really one of my favorite bands of my entire childhood. So, oh, we didn't. You know what we didn't do? Damn it, Taco. We didn't what? ask them about Deftones' time as a Zydeco rocker. We totally I forgot. To, I was waiting for that. For the Bayou Boogaloo, that was Barry Quarter. I totally forgot. I know. I, I mean, I, I hung the curveball for you, and you let it yeah. go by. <laughs> you just was, looked at it. Yeah. Just well, maybe they'll hear this episode and then surprise us with a uh, jazzy. Yeah. You know, if, if I was a more skilled broadcaster, I would have asked him to pick up that guitar and and perform a Zydeco number for us right then and there. I just. <laughs> I failed you guys once again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. There you go. What do you think, Barry? Great. Your, uh, your debrief. Great stuff. Curious about hearing, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, his answer was spot on. It was, it, you know, what he's been doing and, and what's been important. And I really just think that's that's been the thing I've been hearing from everybody, from no matter what vocation they have. We're just all figuring out what's important. Uh, I guess in my mind, the reason for my question is, is that like these bands are just itching to get out and they're finally on a schedule. But no, it's uh, they're still every every bit in, as in flux as everyone else. So that was interesting to me. Yeah. Knowing their sets the way that they're set, they're, they're going to be it's going to be the same set. You know, I mean, they're, they're, it's, once they figure it out, they're going to figure it out. But I yeah. bet they're a lot like we are as we walk out of the door every day we're like i don't know where i'm gonna go but yeah. um, i'm sure. out uh, I'm, I'm out, out. So sure. i'm gonna i'm gonna just do some stuff and we'll see where i go Let's and it is happens. early it's early yeah. but it's not though i mean you're gonna turn around and you're gonna look at before you know it we're gonna look at it's gonna be labor day i mean how yeah, many days are we officially away I mean. from bonnaroo i mean we i mean at any moment the Lollapalooza lineup's gonna drop and we're gonna be at the end of july and we're like oh it's Lollapalooza weekend before you know it this this stuff's gonna creep up really really fast no question but i, I guess what i mean is they're professionals they do what they do they know what they do they're not going to they're not going to come out with, like you just said, something completely different. And I guess part of me is thinking somebody will. There might be a higher level of energy, but I don't see bands reinventing themselves just because they've been on hiatus for a year. 
I, I guess that's what I'm. Yeah, you don't you don't necessarily think they're going to be breaking out into Rick Astley covers. They're not going to do both. They're not yeah. going to come back as a Zydeco band just because. All right, I'm so happy to see you guys. It's Lord Taco. It's Barry Quarter. I'm Brad Stein of the What Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.